0: Hi and welcome to Detox, Talks the Detox, a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos. How they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do. Thanks for tuning in, this is Kunal Sundirmani and you are listening to Detox, Talks the Detox. With Luke with us on the podcast, Luke is one of India's best known wellness coaches and someone who I've been following for a while. And if you're not, you're truly really missing out on a lot of good, great stuff. Luke, welcome to the Detox podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Luke, your journey is pretty interesting, but that's one element I wasn't truthfully able to find a lot about because today you work with some of the best known celebrities and you, you've seen and experienced so many different elements and there's so much that you advocate for in terms of health, in terms of wellness, and overall in terms of being a holistic person. So I would love to know more about those elements that came in, which got you to the point of helping people be a better version of themselves.
1: Okay, great. So, you know, it started off a couple of years ago. So you have medicine, you have symptoms. You know, someone has high blood pressure, you're given a medicine and it ends over there someone has diabetes, you're given a medicine and it ends over there. So that's all good, I'm not against that system. But you know what kind of really got me thinking when we started looking at people in chronic illness. Now what is chronic illness? When you're constantly sick and your medicine list is getting longer and longer. So you start off with a high blood pressure med, a year later you're on medication for diabetes and then you're on medication for your kidney. And that's called chronic illness which means you're constantly sick and you need to constantly take medicines. And the simple thing that struck me back then was this is not normal. This is not the way life is supposed to be. We're supposed to get better. We're not supposed to be stuck on medicines and suffer from the side effects of them, you know, over and over the years. And that's where I identified the gap. And I knew right then I want to fill that gap. I said, I want to fill that gap. You know, chronic illness must decrease. People should look beyond just the symptom. Like if you're getting a headache every day and you're popping a pill, and the pill is taking away your headache, that's okay. But after a while, how many pills are you going to pop? So if I go back and look into your life and I realize because you're sleep deprived, you get a headache, or because you're constipated, you get a headache, then we have a root cause we can work with. So if I teach you to sleep better, or I teach you to get rid of your constipation, your headaches and migraines are gone. So you've actually recovered, and you've actually addressed the root cause with your own lifestyle. So that was the gap. When I saw that gap, I knew right then in a split second, that's what I want to fill. So I quit my job. I had a really good job, 10 years in a company. Everything was cushy. Everything was neat. But when I saw that gap, you know, something just changes in you and you know, that's the gap. That's your life purpose that you need to fill because no one else was doing it. So I think, you know, taking that gap and putting my life into it is what has brought me to this particular point today. And like you rightly said, it's very holistic because most people today are sick From loneliness, they're sick from depression, they're (laughs) sick from unhappiness. And that causes physical diseases. Today, I mean, medical science knows that emotions can cause diseases. So then, what's the right treatment? A pill? Take it if you need it. But the real right treatment is also changing, addressing those emotions. And that's why you have to become holistic. At one point, I used to think that nutrition will fix all problems, but it wasn't true. Nutrition is five to 10% of the game over and above that. It's people's sleep, their attitudes, the company they keep, how they feel in society. If they're lonely, are they in empty relationships? How is, you know, in a family, the father-son relationship, the mother-daughter relationship, all of these things matter when it comes to most problems that people are suffering from. So I had to become holistic. I didn't learn to become a holistic. The system forced me
0: to think holistic and become holistic. That's lovely put. So this is one philosophy I'm a big fan of, called the philosophy of epiphanies. Really these, like a life being a straight road and that's actually how we expect it to be, given that it's hardly any close to that. And then there are these epiphanies, are these turns that come in when you're following the same straight road, certain turns that end up changing the entire part as itself, changing the entire fabric of the path. In context, these small turns that change everything. And they're, they're very often inspired by these epiphanies, stuff that's always been happening for the past 5-10 years. But you notice it all of a sudden and it changes everything. So these epiphanies very often define all the changes and become the root cause of, of changes for the better or the worse. Uh, so in your journey, what, what were a few of those epiphanies that really stuck around with you in developing your part as a person and overall your part is helping so many more.
1: So I think it would be simplicity. You know, I've been brought up and raised on the values of simplicity. It's always been that way. Even if we had a fancy education, we were always reminded that it is the simple things in life that matter. It is the simple things in life that work. And today, you know, so that's constantly kept me on my path. Today, the most complicated diseases can be addressed in the most simplest ways. But in between that, the media, society, everyone makes things very, very complicated. So I think constant reminders of simple the city helps me stay on my path and keep it simple for other people. There was a point when I was in school, I wasn't a good student at all. You know, I couldn't understand complication. So I wasn't good in most subjects. I could only understand simple things. And I, I really couldn't address things with a complex approach. And I always felt for the longest time that that was my biggest downfall. That was my negative. That was my area of weakness. But you won't believe it on this path when I started, because I don't understand complication. I don't understand complication even now so my, for the simplest ways to solve a problem. So if I Get a complicated case today. Okay. I know it's complicated in my mind, but I will find a simpler way to understand the problem and address it because I don't have the skill to do it in a complicated way. So when you really look back, that area of weakness that I thought it was, was actually my strength, my potential from the time I was (laughs) a young kid, but we don't see these things. So today I can have the most complicated case or whatever it is, like the most complicated case of depression. I had it a couple of days ago, a young man, like 35 years old, constantly watching the news, constantly depressed and all of that stuff, all related to the news. So he was like, I've been to seven shrinks, I've been a psychologist, I'm on medication, all of that stuff, I asked him one question. I said, the news is your trigger point of depression. Agreed? He said, yes. So I said, what happens if we stop the news? He says, I won't be depressed. I said, can you do it? He said, difficult, but not impossible. And that's exactly what you need to do. So literally, literally, you know, because I can't think of complicated things. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna understand a chemical imbalance when there's a problem which makes sense in front of you because you're looking at it through filters of simplicity. So like that, that's the way I've led my life. I do have complicated cases, certain uh, complicated cases, and I have the people on my team to handle that if I can't do it. So, you know, I built a team. So if there's a very complicated case, something that I've not studied in my career. Like I've not studied medicine, but I have a medical doctor who can intervene Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing to add value and to take over in case I need need them to do that, you know? So I always believe that in any business or any team, you know, you should always have people who are better than you, at other things (laughs) in your team. A lot of people don't like that because of the ego. Like, oh, I'm the owner of the business. How can you be telling me what to do? But I always hire people who are smarter than me and have more skills than me. Because at the end of the day, they're gonna help when you have a problem which you can't handle or you don't have the skill. I can't try to be a businessman if I'm not. I can't try to be a CFO if I don't like looking at Excel sheets. So I'll hire the best CFO in the country to handle it. Okay, and give me results.
0: I won't try to do his job. So simplicity has always worked for me. That's lovely put. I think that's people getting threatened by having people in their team who are better than them is something that's that I think anyone who's grown a business has at one point faced, given that running a business becomes a part of your living and a part of the fabric that You consider your life made of absolutely. So yeah, but it's really unless you hire people better than you, businesses can't be bigger than you. Absolutely. So any such moments, whether in your school life or later, which ended up defining uh, your take at simplicity, any certain occurrence any certain single instance moment that happened that really stuck around with you that you look back at today with a lesson which you might have misinterpreted earlier on? Uh, No, not really. But I think I have
1: to owe all of this to my dad, you know,
0: because, you know, he was never, he was
1: always study, do your best. That's it. He was never, he he never made us be competitive. Who's going to be first in class, second, third. I remember after our final exams, most of the parents would be like standing with their kids, looking at the exam papers and trying to calculate how many marks they're going to get. My dad would just be like, you know, chill, let's go home, get a sandwich, hit the (laughs) beach in the evening. He never gave it. He was like, always clear, do your bit. If you're meant to study, study, give your best. And there's nothing more you can do about that. And whenever we asked him for career advice, he would only say, see, I can tell you big things, what you want to do in life, but just end up doing something that makes you truly happy. You know, that's what support is because after I finished college, I was on a different path. I've been in insurance. I've been in a call center. I've been in hotels. I've been all over the place until I found my path. But A lot of people say, Luke, you found your part at the age of 35. You know, if you had started at 20, what would it be? I said, I wouldn't be who I am right now. I had to go through that (laughs) journey. I had to live in different countries, play different roles, understand, you know, where I don't want to be, understand professions that I don't want to make my, you know, my career so, you had to go through that journey, and there's absolutely no regret in that at all. So, I think whatever I did made me happy. And when the happiness kind of ended, I realized that this is not what I should continue doing. But now I'm on that path, which makes me happy every single day. I don't need to motivate myself. So, I think it's coming on the simple things because I know loads and loads of people today who are working in the most complex, you know jobs, high jobs, all of that stuff, and they're earning well and everything's good, but they're not happy. They come to me saying, Luke, I've Mm. studied this. I've done all of this, but I'm not happy. And when they look back and they reflect, they feel that either the system pushed them into that path, their parents pushed them up, or society did, or they made decisions. Mm. And now they have to make the decision of whether they want to continue or they want to give up everything and really, truly follow their life purpose, which is all possible. Mm. You know, everyone's done it. You started your story at the age of 10 years old. You've done it. You've created it. So it's not impossible at all.
0: Look, one of the, the most phenomenal things that, uh, that I took from the past five minutes was around this area where we, we're so scared to start again. And I think that's one of the worst side effects of competition in early school life. It makes us feel as if after we've completed a university degree, and like, I think we have this internal joke with, within, within K-Star and d Rocks that engineers wouldn't do everything except engineering. And it's... <laughs> And it's hilarious that I think out of all the all the engineers that I've hired, a very small fraction of them do anything related to what they've studied. But there's always that fear of what after you've completed three-year graduation degree, that is the thing you need to do for the next 40 years. And Mm -hmm. it's just hilarious how weak the society frames your first 20 years to define the next 40 years. But the only thing the first 20 years can define are the first 20 years. Absolutely. (laughs) And tied with that,
1: it's very important that your upbringing, your parents play a very, Mm -hmm. very important role in that because, you know, a lot of parents have pushed their children into things that they don't want to do. Now I wouldn't really blame the parents because they see it from their own perception. There's a huge generation gap in their time. An engineer, a -hmm. doctor is a very, you know, noble profession, but it's not, it doesn't have to be what the child wants. I know so many doctors out there who Mm -hmm. don't want to be doctors, but they have to continue being doctors because guess what they've got, their parents have gotten them married into families where You know, because they're a doctor, they've got married into that family or they've got the proposal. So they're stuck. They can't give up right then, you know. So I think parents and upbringing plays an important role. And also a child. I think a child developing into a teenager, they have to have a mind of their own. Today, too many teenagers and young kids compare themselves with other people all the time. But if you don't compare yourself with other people, then, you know, your inner voice speaks to you. You do what you are meant to do, because you don't care what people think. You don't care what people are going to say or judge. You're your own self. It's as simple as that. And that's why I feel society is there. You know, drugs are there. Alcohol is there. Mm-hmm. But finally, it's the problem with the person. You know, it's the problem with the person. If you let it consume you, okay, you become the victim. Mm-hmm. You failed over there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important for people to understand, to keep, you know, they got to keep their head on their shoulders. And my one advice I would give to not just kids, even parents and elderly people, just stop comparing yourselves with other people. You cannot compare two unique individuals. It is impossible to do that. You waste time, you waste a lifetime, and you waste energy, which you could actually put into living your life or building a business or creating multiple revenue streams, comparing themselves with other people. Okay? Now, I do compare myself, but as benchmarks. So if I see like someone can build a beautiful business and run it you know, the right way with integrity and stuff. Yes, I do want to be like that person and run my business that way, but I'm not going to compare my capabilities or my self-respect or my esteem or how much money he has versus me because that's obviously going to you know, make me work the wrong way. So we can pick up values from other people. We can study other people's lives and learn from them, absorb from them. But the moment you start comparing yourself with them, your self-worth is either going to become egoistic if it goes up, it's going to be extremely low if it goes down?
0: Mm-hmm. That's such an underlying fact that plays an important role. Unfortunately, the primary education has just endorsed it. That vibe that you need to decide what you need to... St- I think it's one of the most messed up values. I'm like Knowing people who were being forced at 15 to decide that they need to do for the next... 45 years of their working life and being forced into that again and again because at 15, they need to decide. At 20, when they feel like changing, there's parental pressure that you have already put in five years in here. (laughs) And, And it goes on until they're 40, then deciding that they've invested the past 20 years into it. It's it's No, but bro, you're, you're, let a, me correct you over there. Spreading. It's
1: not 15 years, it's not 15 years anymore. Currently, as we speak, there's a new trend and it's, uh, it's most parents trying to get mm. their kids into coding at the age of six. When the, when the child that's so, that's needs sad. to be living their life and evolving with imagination and stuff, the new fad is like, get your kids into coding. I mean, I have nothing against coding, but I have everything <laughs> against parents who run their insecurities through their children. You know, there's no six-year-old, maybe a few over here and there. I think a six-year-old should be given the ability to learn because what's the big deal about coding? If you're meant to do coding, you'll do it at the right age. It's not like you're going to get an edge over anyone and you're going to become a billionaire. I just feel children who are going down that path are going to miss out a massive chunk of their childhood that contributes towards their overall happiness and growth. Through a lifetime:
0: Most definitely, I think this is one of those things I, I've, been, I've been wanting to get out for a while. I personally love coding, but as mom says, if anyone had ever forced me to code, I wouldn't have ever done it. I would exactly. have done, or if yeah. I had gone ahead and coded because my parents wanted me to learn to code. It would be another shit like the education system, which I wouldn't want to do. And, yeah. you and did it because you loved I, I wouldn't have it. You have ever found it because it as a you quality. had yeah, exactly. you did it because
1: you had an affinity to it. And there's nothing wrong like that. Like I said, a lot of kids have this affinity towards, you know, coding or something else. And you know, right then the this mess child is when they're that.
0: Forced to do it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. The mess up really comes when they're forced to do it because it, it's really different like it's one of those vibes i've been trying to remove for a while i see so i was at this hackathon i was i guess at this hackathon in southern india and where there was this parent of a 10 year old who so given that i was comparatively young if i ever decide to give a little advice about not Forcing your kids to start early doesn't come out too well, I've realized. But, mm-hmm. one, but forcing the kid at 10 as a genius. portraying him. So the kid didn't get a chance to speak for a minute. But he was being forced to think he was a genius. He was removed from school because school wasn't taught good enough for him. And you hate the education system, I hate it as much. But the problem was that the kid wasn't given a voice of his own. And the kid was egoistic. He was egoistic. Mm-hmm. That at ten, he's a genius. And regardless of him being a genius or not being a genius, he was he, he was being forced by the parent to think he was a genius because it made the parent look good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it was sad. The parent was doing was using the computer. The parent was speaking for the kid, and the kid was was being put into a position where he do- doesn't fit in. But just by this so-called stereotypical expectation of the society. I I can't agree more. All those times when people say, if at 15 you're here, imagine where you'd be at 25. The idea is if you start imagining where you'd be at 25, you'd be anywhere but there. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. It's hilarious. Like everyone needs to have their own space to grow because growth doesn't have a plan. You like there was this fantastic quote. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I decided to take the road less taken, and so did everyone else because Google Maps showed it. So
1: yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. Yeah, I mean, so, you got to think about from it. From the you know, trend at any point where, in anyone's yeah. career when you decide to go on your own path, if you start, you know, at some point we got to give up—not give up our friends, groups, and stuff—but we got to move onto a different path if we want to get something different. You know, I mean, when you look at the typical Mumbai situation, I'll talk about Mumbai because that's where I've lived for some time of my life. You know, Bandra has their own groups. Juhu has their own groups. Everyone, you know, it's great. It's great to have those friends. But at some point, mm-hmm. you have to break away and find your own path. That doesn't mean you give up your friends. You know, sometimes when you break away onto that path, you may lose a lot of friends. Those are not your real friends. But if right. you're able to take that path and create something and still come back and enjoy that with your friends, I think that's brilliant. But a lot of people get stuck in that group. And you are only as much as you are in that group. So if your group's at a particular level, that's the level you're going to be at. So sometimes you've got to make and you took that different road and that's why you are different from someone else who's 10 years old when they started and where you are right now. And that's it. It's a difference. There's a difference because you did something different.
0: Like very truthfully, my only input always has been for anyone who's trying to start something at a young age is to not do it because I did it. And that's, I think that if I ever created a demon, that would be it. People using me as an example to tell their kids why they should start learning business early. That was, that's, if I, I think that's the worst demon I could have ever created.
1: It's mature of you to know that because we
0: couldn't do that. You know, because I'm into health,
1: I don't expect because I stay healthy, everyone has to do it as well. We have to coach them into it. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own path and stuff like that. So we can't make other people feel bad. Like I can't go around and make other people feel bad about their health only because I try to project myself as healthy. You know, so what you're doing is very profound and very mature. That's great.
0: It's very important to not take inspiration in context of doing it at a young age, but letting it happen because it's meant for you not because Absolutely. someone else did it at a young age. We moved on from a trend where the trend was you need to do a secure job like a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer because everyone is, is becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer to a trend where because everyone is becoming a doctor, lawyer, and engineer, there are no jobs, so you have to do something different yeah. until everyone's doing something different.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: It's, it's funny the way trends, we've built up a trend that was complimentary to a trend to humanity. That's yeah. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, moving on. I've been reading the, one of your books around weight loss. I, I, the magic weight loss pill. So primarily fantastically written. Thank and you. secondly, you've written so many books. I wrote one book in 2018. It did pretty well. We became an Amazon bestseller, but I don't think I'm going to write one for a while. Like I, every time I've spoken to an author, I've, I've always seen that every time, specifically for someone who's a second-time author, first time it was it's very often because of the trend of being able to say something but anyone Mm -hmm. who's written more than one books that there was always an underlying philosophy so the first book very often comes out of the trend that it's a great way to reach people but after the first book whenever there's another thing that comes up it's really because of something that struck so primarily and struck a chord that needed to come out and that was the best way so you've written so many books what was the underlying philosophy every time?
1: So I never really planned to write a book. It just happens, you know. So now between year now and the end of the year, <laughs> I'll probably con- consult with a thousand plus mm-hmm. patients, you know. And we're going to learn so many new things, so many new trends. So when I feel I have all of that information which I want to share and I can put it into a nice flow, I just write a book. It's as simple as that. So I've never really planned anything. It just comes on the spur of the moment. So, you know, like the first book I did with Shilpa Sheri, Uh, I was treating kids at that point. I was treating her kid. And we decided that so many people don't have access to this information and it's so simple. So we put it into a book. the Magic weight loss pill as well. Everyone thinks there's a magic pill, but there isn't a pill. I said, let me put it into a book and show people that this magic pill is lifestyle and give them like 75 lifestyle Mm -hmm. changes that don't cost money and that you can do. And that became a bestseller. So now we have one more coming up on Back to Roots (laughs) where we're trying to encourage people in India to really get back to their roots I mean, enjoy everything, but get back to your roots and you're going to find how your health and your personal growth just changes. So every time I have new information, I wait for that right inspiration and then we just put it into a book. So honestly, that's the
0: motivation. On the same lines, one of the things that really got me when I was, when I was going through everything that you've done is, is your philosophy of lifestyle as the new religion. And overall, right. it's such a, the line in itself is so enticing in terms of, of how deep you can relate to it, even thinking of it for a while, given that as a civilization, we've been so directed by religion and about, about lifestyle being that integral element that drives so much of what we do. So I'd love to hear more about that from you. Yeah, it's so simple. We just
1: call it a new religion because number one, there are so many beautiful religions in our world. And there's also so much of hatred. There's so much of fighting happening because of all of these religions and all of that stuff. So I said, let's just create lifestyle into a religion where everyone prays to who they want to everyone follows their own path but you know you have a common thread of kindness compassion learning to forgive people you know being okay with the mistakes you make that's all part of your lifestyle you know eating well respecting the planet sleeping well at night looking after your stress levels meditating chanting whatever it takes exercising i thought that itself is a beautiful religion where people they have one job, look after the beautiful body that's given to you and your mind. If you look after it, you're not gonna do stupid things. You're not gonna get involved in you know, uh, hatred and anger. The only people who get involved in all of these things are people who are not centered. They're not healthy inside and outside. So I just thought like you know, create a new religion, call it lifestyle and everyone is free to choose. Everyone is free to choose whatever it is they wanna do. So that's
0: where it came from that's that's so lovely put i love the overall vibe that comes through certain words and, and overall like the vibe that comes through in reading that given that specifically even as a country in india we've followed religions regardless without looking forward for the meaning within and and asking the right questions like in in every element asking not asking questions asking the right questions and about how a single right question can can default a hundred wrong answers. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, specifically around the concept of lifestyle as a religion, while building it up, and now while practicing, and while helping others and motivating others to practice the same. Has there ever been this some specific underlying philosophy that's been the umbrella to this and a lot of the other things that you've been working on? So we've just been asking people to do
1: what the human body requires. Okay, which is eat smart, move more, sleep right and breathe deep. So it talks about, you know, <laughs> indirectly be aware of what you eat. You don't need a fancy diet, a fad diet. Just understand if, you're, mm. if you don't know how to motivate yourself to eat well, just remember that every cell in your body, every bone, every, you know, every cartilage, every joint is made up from the food that you eat. So now you choose what you want to put into your body. When it comes to exercise, you know, we know that the human body was never designed to be as sedentary as we are today. So we're just asking people, move. You don't have to spend your money on a gym membership and only if, unless you like to, but just move. Get movement into your life. When it comes to sleep, you know, whatever anyone tells you, your sleep, is a natural law of the human body. You abuse it, you have problems. You use it well, you know everything works the right way. And then your mental awareness, because so many people have so much, but they're not happy. You know, So many people have so much and they're committing suicides. So we have to understand something's wrong and that involves your emotional wellness. So really these are the four pillars of this religion we call lifestyle. So your emotional health also involves your religious path. If your religion is making you do bad things, if your religious path is making you more angry instead of more peaceful, then you may want to understand it, the true essence of your religion and you know really try to understand it more. So that's why we put all of these four points together and we call it as lifestyle, the new religion.
0: One of the most important parts of lifestyle is sleep. And it's unfortunately one thing that most people end up overlooking. While taking a good diet, exercising well are considered... Most people end up overlooking sleep, which takes up one third of our life. As a generation, we probably have one of the most messed up circadian rhythms compared to any that came before us, being the only organism that goes ahead and denies sleep. So, what would be your thoughts on the circadian rhythm right now, and overall about how very often people end up choosing Netflix over sleep and end up sleeping at different times every day? very contrary to how our bodies were built to adjust to sleep with the sunset and wake up with the sunrise. So what would be your thoughts, your philosophy and your take on the circadian rhythm right now and overall about fixing uh, this messed up circadian rhythm?
1: So it's really simple. You see, there are some laws in nature and there are laws that never change. Like uh, let's talk about the law of gravity. If you throw an apple up right now, it is going to come down irrespective of what your expectation is irrespective of the color of the apple, irrespective of which country you live in. That is the law of gravity. Like that, there are other laws. One of them is the circadian rhythm law, okay, which is a law. If you abuse this law, you have everything from cravings to fatigue, to unhappiness, to low productivity and everything else. So, you know, we can choose to because the human body, unfortunately or fortunately adapts, but it has a set point. Once you cross that set point, all your disease and everything else comes in. You know, I mean, a simple example is when you have a really good night of sleep, how do you wake up the next morning? You wake up with this incredible feeling that no coffee can give you, no fruit can give you, no exercise can give you. That is your cells completely rested and rejuvenated. That's how we're meant to be. You know, so if we're able to, and I always tell people, see, following the circadian rhythm doesn't mean your social life is going to be compromised. At least five days in a week follow it, take your weekend, enjoy it, sleep at a different time, consume as much of content as you want. But at least five out of seven, keep that balance. Your body deserves it. You need to give it to that. So whenever we take a really sick patient where nothing's working anymore, medication, nothing at all, we just put them into the circadian with rhythm of living, which means they eat at the same time, they sleep at the same time, they wake up with sunrise, they sleep by 9.30, 10. It's unbelievable how their own body starts to kick in. The own intelligence of your body is harnessed to really start doing things where medicine, nutrition, and everything else has failed because you are aligning with the laws of nature. So when you break a law, you have a consequence. When you break the law of the human body, you also have a consequence. So people now have to realize that, and you can't blame people, it's not their fault, because social media has shown everyone you know, that successful people don't sleep. Successful people you know, sleep only when they die. All of that crap, but it isn't true because we handle some of the biggest billionaires in the world. We handle royal families across you know, different uh, regions. And you know what, all of them, they are successful and all of them value sleep because they say without sleep, we can't think. If we can't think, who's gonna come up with the next billion dollar idea? So you see, it's all the puppets below who get pulled in with these success stories and they think it's the truth. But it isn't the truth. You can't break the laws of nature, period.
0: I, I think a part of the scrolling epidemic that we we are in right now, we really judge our life success by metrics that were made by someone else for their lives. <laughs> and we end up taking their philosophy of the way they like to live as the way we should live. And overall, mm-hmm. we're consuming the amount of amount of hustle content about hustling 24 by 7 and not sleeping and not exercising and just working, which as impossible as it is whatsoever. Uh, what do you think about that? Because most people end up scrolling more than what they're scrolling to learn about. Absolutely. I, I, think,
1: I think that's a whole load of, you know, bull crap, you know, all this hustle, hustle to the grind, all of that crap, you know. I'll tell you why. It may work for some people. But like I said, some of the most successful people I know, they don't hustle. They achieve success with balance and poise and grace. They sleep, they get up, they're late, you know, they chill. They do all of these things. It's not that you got to hustle. You got to hustle when you're not efficient with your time. You got to hustle when you've taken too much on your plate and you don't know how to handle it. You got to hustle when you don't have the right people in your team or you're trying to cut costs and do everything on your own. But look at most of the most successful people. And for me, the definition of success is not if you're a billionaire or a multimillionaire. There are tons of many of those people, but they are unhealthy or they've lost their health along the way. And that's not success. Mm-hmm. If you're going to work 24 hours a day, obviously mm-hmm. you're going to weigh, make a lot more money than other people. My definition of success is can you do that and maintain your family, maintain your relationships, maintain your health? Other than that, that otherwise, is- you're not successful. Ooh. You're only successful to a group of people with, where money motivates them. Oh, you have so much. Oh, you have so much. <laughs> So, you know, that's not true. This yeah. is all crap that people pick up. You know, it's all that urgency. So someone suddenly gets successful overnight. Now you want to show people that you really struggled. So everyone has like a rags to rich <laughs> story. You know, I was this, I was that, I didn't have this. Half those stories are false. Half those stories are <laughs> false. You know, people just have to say, hey, listen, you know, my life part changed and I grew successful. My story is simple. I can't blame my parents. We had money. We had a decent amount of money to get through a decent mm-hmm. education. I had my parents, I had mm-hmm. food on the table, I had opportunity, I had everything. I don't have a story. At 35, I was mm-hmm. blessed to realize that my life purpose is in front of me. Choose the road. I took it and here I am today. You know, so a lot of people mm-hmm. will show that, oh, I did this, I did that, and all of that crap. And they <laughs> teach the youth below You're them. Made that, up that's what success. And people learn I, from that. They say, Oh, I need to do this, I should compromise my sleep, I should stop going out, I should stop doing this, I should stop doing that most of the stories are untrue stories. Most of them, you know? So people have to be real and understand, take away from the principles. What are the principles of this billionaire? What's the principle of this successful person? You learn things like discipline, consistency, <laughs> learning to live within your means, learning to be kind to your team, learning to admit your mistakes. Take, take the, the, the personality lessons away, not the whole drama story around and stuff. <laughs> because if you do that, you should have your own yacht by now. You should have your own private jet <laughs> by now. You should have all of that, but you don't because you've not taken away from <laughs> what you should take away, you know? So that's how it is. All this hustle may work for some people, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to hustle and go through that grind when you can also achieve the same or even more by also making time for your health, your sleep, your family, Regulatory. your relationships and
0: everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think making your own metrics is so necessary. We judge our success by metrics that are just not fit for us. us. Metrics that might be fit for someone else are most definitely not fit for us because that person found those, uh, those metrics for himself by experimentation, not by following someone else's metrics. Bill Gates became a philanthropist at 30, while people hustled t- till they were 55. At least that's what the cover story comes out. I think yeah. PR teams are getting really good day by day. Uh, but, you know, PR yeah. teams
1: and advertising, most of it is sick. It feeds off people's fear. It feeds off people's emotions. And that's how they make a story sell. It's good sell. for making money, it's, I guess.
0: That. That's it's great for call. making
1: money, but it's confused people. And you know what? A lot of people in advertising go through depression. I'll tell you that upfront right now. How do I know because I'm in that line? At the end of the day, you're selling a lie. You go to sleep every day knowing you've not added value to the world. You've not added any value. You've sold a lie to people. And eventually, the guilt catches up with you. It catches up with you, you know? So we've lost reality in the world. And what has it gotten us? More suicides, more depression, more unhappiness. It's not added value to the world. So, you know, we, like, you'll never see our brand putting a marketing campaign up. Hey, come to Lucutino, sign up for a program, do it We don't believe in that. We believe in effectiveness. If we're good with our patient, that patient will tell 10 people. And at any given point, we have a massive wait list without doing a single ad. Because that's how it is. Your work has to speak for itself through its effectiveness. Today, all these companies with massive valuations, where are they burning money on marketing? They are burning it on marketing. They're fooling people with valuations and all of that stuff, you know? So we've got to wake up to the truth and understand that you have one life, finite time. How are you going to use it? The right way, the wrong way. Sometimes you make mistakes, learn from it, move on. Failures are good for us as long as we learn from it. But everything else is a lie, it's a massive big lie. You know, most of the people out there with these billion dollar valuations and all of that stuff, you would expect them to be the happiest people, satisfied, fulfilled, but most of them are not. (laughs) So we clearly know, we clearly 100% know that
0: isn't the benchmark of success. So overall moving to the final part, uh, the rapid fire round. You wake up in 2030, what's the first thing you would want to Google? The environment, temperature. You wake up in 2050. What's the first thing you would want to Google? So me, at my age, my blood pressure. (laughs) Probably my blood blood pressure. (laughs) Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Mm -hmm. Mac or Windows? Mac. The first place you'd want to visit once everything gets back to normal? Maldives. Mm -hmm. If given the chance to travel anywhere in the world and never be able to travel away from there, what would that be? New Zealand. Morning walks or evening walks? Morning. Gut or mind?
1: Gut. Mac
0: or Windows?
1: Mac. Biggest fear? Biggest fear is loss of loved ones. Favorite song? What's love got to do with it? Warren G. Mm.
0: Favorite drink?
1: Coconut water. Mm. Favorite food? Favorite food Food would be... Actually, Indian food. I love Indian food. Palak Paneer would be my favorite. Favorite book? 11 Minutes by uh, Paolo Coelho. Mm. Okay, favorite book written by you? The Magic Weight Loss Film.
0: Favorite movie that you'd want to watch for the 101st time? Forrest Gump. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks a lot, bro. It was really nice talking to you. Very inspiring.
0: You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.